Good morning. We're glad that you're joining us online this morning as we uh, share in God's word together and as we have, again, this uh, temporary suspension of our worship. We're in Mark 4 this morning, so if you have a Bible, I invite you to follow along. We'll begin in Mark 4, verse 21, and I'll begin by reading the text. Mark 4, verse 21. And he said to them, Is a lamp brought in to be put under a basket or under a bed, and not on a stand? For nothing is hidden except to be made manifest, nor is anything secret except to come to light. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. And he said to them, Pay attention to what you hear. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you, and still more will be added to you. For to the one who has, more will be given, and from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. And he said, The kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground. He sleeps and rises night and day, and the seed sprouts and grows. He knows not how. The earth produces by itself first the blade, then the ear, then the full grain in the ear. But when the grain is ripe, at once he puts in the sickle, because the harvest has come. And he said, With what can we compare the kingdom of God, or what parable shall we use for it? It is like a grain of mustard seed, which, when sown on the ground, is the smallest of all the seeds on earth. Yet, when it is sown, it grows up and becomes larger than all the garden plants, and puts out large branches, so that the birds of the air can make nests in its shade. With many such parables, he spoke the word to them as they were able to hear it. He did not speak to them without a parable. But privately to his own disciples, he explained everything. This is God's word. Let's pray together. Lord, we do pray that you would open our minds and hearts to your word to, uh, this morning, that we would be attentive listeners, and that you would give us wisdom and insight into the meaning of these parables. And we ask these things in the name of Christ. Amen. In this text this morning, Jesus tells us three parables about the kingdom of God. And parables are sort of like comparisons or, or almost like analogies, something like a story. So three parables about the kingdom of God. And we'll look at each one of those in turn. But what we do need to talk about first is what we mean when we talk about the kingdom of God. When we talk about the kingdom of God, we aren't talking about a location. We're not talking about a place per se. Matthew, uh, in particular, of the gospel writers, often uses instead of the kingdom of God, he says the kingdom of heaven. And that has confused a lot of people into thinking that whenever we hear this language of kingdom of heaven or kingdom of God, that the kingdom is a place like in heaven. But the problem lies in how we hear this word kingdom. When we hear the word kingdom, we immediately think location. But when Jesus' audience heard this announcement, they heard that his kingship, the God's kingship or his reign or his government or his jurisdiction or his dominion was upon them. So the kingdom of God is not a location, it's not a place, but Instead, it's a reality. It's a new rule, a new way of doing things. Or put another way, when Jesus says, as he does in Mark 1.14, the kingdom of God has come near, he means that the thing God promised to do all along has, is, is, is happening. It has come near. It's starting to happen. God's way of doing things is coming to bear on this world. And what did God promise to do? 
Well, the short of it is this. He promised to set apart a people for himself to pour his spirit into those people and to redeem all of creation by using them as instruments. That is what we call the gospel or the good news. So in these parables... Jesus is teaching us about how that happens, how the kingdom of God, this reality, this way of doing things comes to bear in our world. How does the kingdom of God gain ground in this world? That's really the question that this text answers. And the answer is probably surprising, but the lesson we will take away is that where we are, wherever we are, is to be faithful there. So wherever we are, wherever we find ourselves, we are called to be faithful there. Let's take a look at this first parable beginning in verse 21 and going through verse 23. And Jesus said to them, is a lamp brought in to be put under a basket or under a bed and not on a stand? The obvious answer is no, you put it on a stand. For nothing is hidden except to be made manifest, nor is anything secret except so that it comes to light. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. Now, I'll confess that most of Jesus' parables are confusing, and this is a a pretty typical example, one that is equally confusing with all of them, but I do think we can untangle it. There's a saying in real estate, location, location, location. There's also a saying when it comes to interpreting Scripture, context, context, context. And if we look at the context where we read everything surrounding this particular parable, it starts to make a little bit more sense. Just before Jesus says these words in the Gospel of Mark, he has told another parable. In that first parable, beginning in chapter 4, the first verse, he explained this parable of the four seeds. And in that parable, we are asked to consider what sort of hearers we are, what sort of listeners we are, how we're responding to the message of Jesus, how we've received it. Now, we may think that these parables are riddles meant to trip us up, but uh, that's not at all what they're for. The point, as Jesus says here, is that they make the secret things of God known. Whatever is secret will be revealed. Nobody puts a lamp under a bed, they put it on a table so that it will illuminate the room. Jesus is saying the exact same thing here, that the secret things of God, the mystery that has long been hidden, will be revealed. Everyone will see the message of Jesus and see who he is, and they'll see it clearly. Now, what do we do with that? Well, actually, there's a little bit more here. Jesus tells us exactly what to do in verses 24 and 25. In 24, he says, Pay attention to what you hear. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you, and still more will be added to you. For to the one who has, more will be given. And from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. So the closer we listen to Jesus' teaching... The more we devote ourselves to it, the more grace we will find in our life. The more will be added to us. One commentator summarizes the purpose of this parable this way. He says, it serves here to encourage careful hearing because the care expended in understanding and responding to Jesus' parables will be proportionately rewarded. What you get out of them depends on what you put in them. So here's a question. How attentive are we to Jesus' teaching? 
How attentive are you to Jesus' teaching? When is the last time, let's say, we, we spent time reading one of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, or any book of the Bible or any New Testament letter? Shouldn't that really be part of the daily practice for those who follow Christ, for those who are his disciples? Shouldn't we know what he taught and be very familiar with the message of the gospel? Now, you might say stuff like this is puzzling and difficult, and we really are best to leave it to the experts. And of course, it is puzzling and difficult, and it's extra puzzling and difficult if we only read it once and move on. But Jesus encourages us not to give up too soon. Look once more at the end of verse 25. Even what he has will be taken away. Those who aren't listening will have, according to Jesus, their little understanding taken away. So if they find themselves in the dark, they will, if they give up too soon, find that things get darker. But if they press on, they will find that there is more illumination, more light. And we can think about it with an analogy. If you've ever met someone who is truly obsessed with another individual, say a celebrity, a politician, um, a, a famous athlete, any of these things, what do they do? They read books about that person. Um, today they follow their Instagram and they follow what they're tweeting and, and they follow everything they can about those people because they want to know more about them. They often know how they talk and the things they say. They know every detail about their lives. They sometimes even dress like those people. And all of that is because they are following and discipling themselves under a person. And the problem there crops up in Christianity because with Christianity, we are calling ourselves those who belong to Christ, and yet sometimes we're not as familiar with his teachings with the message of the gospel as we ought to be. See, it's not actually easy to be a Christian and not know what Christ taught. In fact, we might even say that doesn't make a lot of sense. So what do we do? What we do is this, we be faithful. Listen carefully to Jesus' teaching. Use good resources that are available to us. They're all over the place. Learn what he says. Join a group of others who are interested in the same. All of this is part of the path of the interior life. It's something that we often lose. We, we must learn for ourselves what it means to follow Jesus, to find this illumination that he's speaking of here, where the secret things become clearer and clearer to us. And then, what can we expect? Well, I think more than we can imagine. As he says here in verse 25, more will be given, right? More than we can ever imagine. We'll receive more than we deserve, Jesus says. And then we come to the second parable in verses 26 through 29. And he said, the kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground. He sleeps and rises night and day and the seed sprouts and grows. He knows not how. The earth produces by itself, first the blade, then the ear, then the full grain in the ear. But when the grain is ripe, at once he puts in the sickle, because the harvest has come. So Jesus tells us a a farmer goes out, he plants some seed, then he just gets up and looks at it and goes to bed, and the seed does its thing. It grows on its own. And, And if you're paying attention here, this isn't really how farming works. 
You don't just throw some seed on the ground and, and go to sleep and then it grows on its own. You know, that's not the effort that farmers do at all. And that's precisely the point. Sometimes the insight into a parable is the thing that seems so out of place. And so it is here. What's out of place is this. The farmer doesn't do anything. He goes to sleep. He rises night and day. But notice what the text says. The seed sprouts and grows. He knows not how. So when it comes to the kingdom of God, God takes the initiative. We don't know how it moves forward. That's the mystery that is in God's mind. We, We don't even make the seed grow. All we do is scatter some seed. It's not us. God takes the initiative. And this is incredibly freeing news for us because it's not our responsibility to usher in the kingdom of God. God does that. We are just partners or farmhands, people that are really clueless about the processes of how the kingdom of God flourishes and grows, but people who are called to be faithful. And this is particularly freeing when we think about sharing our faith with others, which is a daunting task and scary, and many of us are afraid we're going to say the wrong thing or mess it up. We're we're afraid we're going to be asked a question that we don't know the answer to, but none of that is on us. That's not our job. Our job is to be the farmer, to be faithful. We plant the seed as best as we can, but how it grows, we don't know. We have no clue. God can use the shoddiest evangelistic presentation to change a person's heart, and often that's exactly what happens. There is story after story of Christian history where people are simply being faithful And the Lord uses that to prosper the kingdom. I'm reminded of Charles Spurgeon's uh, conversion story. Uh, We just had snow this past Sunday. And on that snowy day, I was reminded of it. But Charles Spurgeon, when he was a young man, did not understand the gospel. And he was searching. He was looking. And one day, there was such a snowstorm that he wondered, trying to find a church that was open. And he stumbled into a church that was open. And the pastor couldn't even make it, or they didn't have a pastor. And some layperson got up and gave the simplest of messages. But it was that message where Spurgeon said, for the first time, he heard the gospel. And he responded. And as they say, the rest is history. Spurgeon would become the first mega church pastor. He would become this huge figure in Christianity through the 1800s, particularly in Baptist life. He continues to be important. And all of that is to say it started with a faithful person who wasn't giving this wonderful presentation. It wasn't a learned sermon or anything like that. Instead, it was just someone being faithful and obedient, and the Lord used that. So that's exactly what happens. This should be an encouragement to us to speak openly about Jesus, to invite others to follow him, to learn from him, to be apprentices of his. You don't have to be afraid that you will mess it up. Do what the farmer did. Sow the seed and go to sleep because God does the growing. In his first letter to the Corinthian church, Paul uses almost uh, synonymous or almost identical language. The Corinthian church is arguing about which leader they follow. Some say, I follow Apollos, and others say, I follow Paul. In 1 Corinthians 3, 5 through 7, Paul says, What then is Apollos? What is Paul? Servants through whom you believed, as the Lord assigned to each. I planted, Apollos watered. But notice this, God gave the growth. 
So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. So don't be afraid. You're not going to mess it up. You can read the Bible with someone and it will be okay. You can talk about why you follow Jesus. But here's the key. Be faithful where you are and God will use that. And then we come to this last parable, the third one, in verses 30 and following. And he said, with what can we compare the kingdom of God or what parable shall we use for it? It is like a grain of mustard seed which when sown on the ground is the smallest of all the seeds on earth, yet when it is sown, it grows up and becomes larger than all the garden plants and puts out branches, large branches, so that the birds of the air can make nest in its shade. Now, first I've got to deal with a silly objection here, and that is the mustard seed is not the largest seed in the, or the smallest seed in the world. We know that. That's just a, a simple fact. But when we read the Bible like that and have objections to it like that, then we're really reading it in such a reckless way. We're not even taking the time to understand what sort of book is before us. Why would Mark tell us it's the smallest seed? Because it's completely accurate in the location where Mark is writing this. The mustard seed is the smallest seed in the world as they know it, in the area and period of Jesus. And that's important for us so we can understand this point. Because the small, imperceptible seed eventually overshadows all the plants in the garden and it becomes so large with its branches that it becomes a resting place for birds. And here's the point. The kingdom of God comes in unexpected ways and unexpected places. It is small and imperceptible in the beginning, but in the end it flourishes. One commentator writes, The kingdom of God does not come with sirens blaring and bombs bursting in air, but quietly and inconspicuously. Think about it. How does God enter the world? How does God enter the world? Not as a king, but as a rural Jew in the first century. Who does Jesus hang out with? Not nobility or religious elites, but outcast and scandalous people. Not people with any, not people with no power in the world. How does the kingdom of God get actualized in the life of his followers? Not by forced submission or takeover, but through his death on a cross. And only after that, is the power seen in the resurrection, the ascension, and the outpouring of the Spirit. But then, how does the message of the kingdom spread? It spreads through persecution and through suffering, through the death of Jesus' followers. The kingdom works in unexpected ways, not the ways of the world. And so the smallest seed becomes something truly breathtaking. Now, we consider the reverse here, too, to really get this point. When does the kingdom of God lose traction? When so-called Christian leaders exert force and demands on the culture around them. When these leaders think the kingdom comes through social movement or a political candidate. When the church becomes an institution or a business, then it fails to gain ground or real traction. But what in the world might this mean for you and me? I think there's three takeaways here. First... We should not be discouraged when the odds seem stacked against us because that is the way of the kingdom. Nobody expects the mustard seed to take over the garden. In the same way, nobody expected a savior that would die on a cross in complete humiliation. 
So don't be afraid going forward. Don't fear the world around or the uncertainty. Just be faithful where you are. And when we look back on history, the cumulative human experience, we will be astounded by what God has done. Don't be discouraged. Don't be afraid. Number two, growth is slow and sometimes it is hard to see, especially at first. I have vices and character flaws and sins in my heart and my life that seem like they clean my clock every single day. And I've been trying to follow Jesus for 15 years or so now, a little over 15. And all of those things are still there. Yeah, there's been progress, but there's always something there. And sometimes the struggle just persists and it's hard and it's painful. And sometimes I get frustrated with myself. But listen, don't discount what God is doing with that little seed in your heart. If we have heard the message and received it, it will produce fruit. As Paul says in Philippians 1.6, he who began a good work in you will complete it. He will complete it. He's good for it. Look for the growth because it is certain. It just may not be as rapid as we expect. And then third, Jesus is for the birds. Look, birds are dirty in the Old Testament. They're associated with foreigners and outcasts. The kingdom, though, isn't for the religious people. It's for the broken, the poor, the messed up, the sad, the fractured, the addict, the divorcee, the widow, the orphan, the neglected. There's really only one qualification. Do you know where to find shade? Do you know where to make your nest? Do you fly to Jesus? See, all of that is the point of the parable. The mustard seed becomes so large with branches that are capable of housing nests for the birds. The way Jesus says this in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 5 is this way. Blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. They are the ones who are nearest to the kingdom of God. They are the ones who seem to grasp it. Those who recognize their need, who recognize how poor in spirit they are, who recognize how much they need Jesus, they are the ones who inherit the kingdom. So what's the first step in being faithful? First step in being faithful where you are is that. Go to Jesus. Go to him. Find rest in him. Be faithful where you are. Well, let's pray together and then I will close with our benediction. Lord, we are so incredibly grateful for these parables which shine so much light on our hearts, which challenge us and expose a variety of things about our lives and our hearts. I pray that you would shine your light on each person who is listening. Our prayer is pretty simple. Come, Lord Jesus, come. Enter in, begin the purifying work in our hearts so that we might be those who live under the reality of the kingdom of God here and now. And we pray that you would continue to use us and be pleased to use us to simply do the small things as you bring about your eternal plan and purposes for your creation. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.